Hey, I'm Ross Chastain, and you're watching Like a Farmer. Hey, y'all. It's Pat with Like a Farmer. I am in the watermelon fields of South Georgia, and my next guest is somebody who loves living in the fast lane. Mr. Ross Chastain has decided to join me today. Ross, thanks for having me out, actually. Yeah, but yeah Pat. It's, uh, it's good for me to be back in the watermelon field and uh good to, to have you here i'm excited to be here you have uh congrats on a hell of a year so far yeah. on and off the track and i can't wait to uh to talk about it all but i want to start with the uh the most recent win in nashville congratulations thank how you does, how does that feel oh it feels great great timing for us to come here exactly as we smashed a watermelon there on the front stretch in nashville man but um big i mean honestly hard to put into words right so um, track house my my race team justin marks and pitbull mr yep. worldwide yeah uh, is mr 305 is the the idea of track house was formed in nashville justin moved his family there several years ago and uh, moved ty norris there to to create this idea that with nascar implementing a new car uh what was supposed to be in 2021 it got delayed a year to 2022 they wanted to get into the cup cup racing they wanted to justin wanted to own a team and he had this vision for track house uh, to be to be this brand, this this really global brand one day, but to, yeah. to have its foundation built on a NASCAR team, and um, and I remember the first time Justin called me from Nashville and told me about it uh, was in at the end of 2020, and then in 2022 I go to work for him to drive the number one car, and uh, and so to come back to Nashville for our second time, third year we've been back at the Super Speedway there yep. in, in Lebanon outside of Nashville and. Um, got it you know, done to, to to go fight for the win one thing to, to qualify on the pole yep. saturday is a day i'll never forget uh to to put together two two rounds of qualifying and finally finally get that first pole for the team and myself and then uh and then to, to win the race past martin and denny two guys that haven't exactly seen eye to eye with yeah, like, yeah. in the last two years and uh <laughs> it's it's it was just to pass them meant a lot and to win the race uh go 90 something laps green to the end and have the fastest car um, to win in Nashville, we uh, we had a good Sunday night at, at Tootsie's. Oh, and Broadway, baby. Man. Love it. it hey, congrats, awesome. man. Yeah, thank Love you. Love that. So so does Pitbull really? He's part owner of Trackhouse? He is, man. Have he, you all uh, hung out? Like, do you know the guy? I, I do. I've gotten to meet him. when Before I, before I, uh, we announced that I was going to drive for Trackhouse, uh, and we, we got it all done in 2021, um, Ty Norris, our team president, told me and called me and said i'd like to get you on a call with armando and i'm like okay and he's like uh you know he's just he wants to meet you and, and the whole time i'm going armando armando who is armando like i don't know the team yet i'm, I'm trying to learn everybody's name um, and we're not even working together yet and he finally goes yep he's in miami he's touring and i was like he's talking about pitbull <laughs> yeah i'm gonna, i'm getting ready to get on the phone he's gonna three-way in pitbull and he did and he's a car guy yeah. Oh, we absolutely. we talked for probably twenty minutes, and he talked for fifteen of the minutes, and he just told me about his life, his love for competing. He he likes to win. He wants he he's been an underdog. He's seen what he knows what life is like outside of America and how good we have it here and the opportunities, and he just wants to take NASCAR on our competition to his fan base around the world. Um, because they, they, he knows they want to, to win as well. So he wants to win in life. He wants to win on the track. And he checks in. He texts, uh, even on the bad days. Hey, man, keep fighting. Checking in. Underdogs, us against the world. Let's get them. 
and, uh, and oh, he'll obviously, pump you up. like even in his songs, he gets you. He'll you'll run through a brick wall after you get on talking. I mean, I ran that. into the Martinsville wall. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Mister Three Hundred Five, I love him. Yeah. So let's get back to the winning. After after each race that you win, you decide to smash a watermelon. Yep. Hit on that. I mean, what's what's behind the scenes? What's going on? Where did that come from? I mean, you couldn't be in a better spot to talk about this, man. Exactly. The watermelon sitting here next to us. Yeah, look, uh, my brother and I are eighth-generation watermelon farmers. It's it's what the Chastains have done for a really long time. Um, since one of the, Pierre Chastain came over in the early 1700s, they've been pretty early on after that. Everybody was coming to America and farming, and, and most of our families, everybody watching, listening, um, and everybody here that's helping today happen their families farmed at some point, but we've been fortunate enough to stay in it. And there's less people directly responsible for feeding the rest of the world yep. than ever today. Exactly. Like there, there are less and less farmers growing our food. Um, so, water, look, watermelons are not a part of everybody's everyday diet. They're not ne- you know, necessary to have three meals a day, but we're, we're proud to be a small part of feeding the world. So um, we, we, we farm in South Florida. We're in South Georgia today. We've got other family farms we work with. Uh, across the country uh, we've just dove head first my my family has over over the generations to just stay in it and we had to grow and and there's been some not so good times with my granddad and my great uncle tj uh, but when my granddaddy and him got out of high school they went into the service because that was a better life than life at the farm yep and they came back and and got back into it um, after they served and um, it's been a steady uphill, I would say, from there. Uh, but I mean, my granddad remembers plowing a field with a mule, and that's just wild for me to think Great, about. Yeah. With what they've, what he's built for my dad and my uncle Richie, and on into my generation of, and, and my cousins now, uh, the ones that are involved. So when I got into NASCAR racing, the agriculture community supported me. Nobody from knew day who, one, correct. Nobody yeah. knew who Ross Chastain was in NASCAR racing. I did some local racing in Florida. We won some races over at New Smyrna near Daytona, but not enough to, to get a ride. And so we went out to, to companies that we dealt with in the field and asked if they wanted to be a part of it. And they wanted to because of our farm and, yep. and, and supporting agriculture. Of what you've done leading up to that point, that's why they wanted to jump jump on board. And it's been... You hit it on the head. It's been really cool to see the whole ag community, no matter what commodity, get behind Ross Chastain. And you've got, I mean, the watermelon man, from what some people might call you. But that that's your that's your backup support when it comes to uh, your NASCAR career, and it's really cool to see. And that's why you – that I was so excited when you said, Pat, I'm coming on like a farmer. This is a no-brainer because – Hearing you talk about the adversity that farmers face every single day, I mean, that's what we're trying to shed light onto, right? We're trying to celebrate the American farmer but educate the American people because there's not a lot of people that understand where their food comes from and who grows their food or where their clothes come from or who grows their clothes. And and that's what we're trying to do with Like a Farmer. So you were a perfect fit. When I started in 2011 in the truck series, I didn't worry about who knew Ross Chastain. I, I didn't. I, I wanted to race. That was my goal. But I knew that if I could promote watermelons that I was doing my job because that's what the companies that were involved with me, they didn't need their businesses necessarily on the truck. They wanted to promote watermelons as a whole for the whole industry. And if one more watermelon was sold, then it's going to help the whole 
rising tide raises all ships mentality. Yep. So, um, you know, a lot of people just knew me as melon or the, the watermelon kid. And then as I got older now, I'm thir- we're 30 now, yeah, exactly. both of us, uh, you know, it, it became just melon man. And who's now, older though? When's your birthday? December. Oh, I'm October. Yep. Nice. Yep. So <laughs> I'll never, hopefully never catch up to you, but, uh, <laughs> there you go. Amen. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's it's something, and then when we got to a point where we thought we could win, I, so I went years without winning. 2011 to 2018, we didn't win a single race, nothing. Yep. That's a lot of losing. That is. And when I got an opportunity in 2018 where we thought we could win, we t- actually talked about what are we going to do, how are we going to celebrate. And we wanted to make sure, we, we always had watermelons at the track to cut up and promote in the garage and on TV, but we wanted to do something hopefully when we won. And I raised it up above the car in victory lane at Las Vegas our first national series win in the Xfinity series. And then I just set it down and I carried it to the press conference. I took pictures with it, but I didn't do anything with it. And a little while later, we, someone asked me what I was going to do with it. I said, probably bust it open and eat it. So I asked the track if I could go out and do it on the front stretch. Well, now I don't have to ask anymore. Once I got clearance (laughs) that first time, I've never asked again because I don't want anybody to tell me no. And I just get out and smash it right away. Um, And honestly, though, I was a little worried how it might be you know, taken or, Correct, or, yep. or people in the, in the industry might think about me busting one. Yep. And after I won that race, my granddad called me that night and I'm riding to the hotel and we're talking about it and he's super excited. My granddaddy and he's farmed his whole life. Yep. And he said, Ross, you, you'll never know how many people in this world saw you today. You, you've, you've done something that you've chased the dream for years, but for watermelons, you'll never know how that'll affect the industry. And I said, well, I mean, what, are you okay with it? Like he said, absolutely. If it sold one more watermelon, you've done your job today and your job is to go go promote. So it was really cool. Um, and I've gotten great support and now I've, I pick it up and eat it. And I've got to tell you, it's never tasted sweeter than victory lane. I love that. What a great story. So eighth generation Mm -hmm. farmer, love that JDI farms. Is that just do it? It farms. Is. I mean, I love that. It is. Yeah, Dad. Uh, my dad, Ralphie, um, farmed with with his brother Richie. Had Chastain brothers, and and my granddad and his brother. You know how families are. Oh yeah. You work together. You yep. work apart. You work together. It it kind of ebbs and flows. And so, um, yeah. When um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know actually the exact timeline and the the exact date, but. Um, when it was just my dad farming, he, he created JDI and, and it, it was his, it's just kind of his mentality and, and something that he says is, is, and I can remember as a kid, just, I don't, uh, you know, oh, I got to go over there and dig this ditch on the backhoe. Uh, he'd, he'd say, yeah, just do it. Just go figure it out. Yeah. Just do it. And, <laughs> um, he, he's, I guess he said that long before I was, before I was around and born. And, um, so it was just a, an easy thing to, to call the farm, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's stuck. It's stuck just, just with my dad. So now my dad and Chad, my brother, that's, um, you know, they're full time with, with JDI farms. So majority leading up to NASCAR, I mean, you spent on the farm and now you're having all of this success on, in NASCAR. What are the lessons that you think that you learned on the farm that led to your success today? It's just the. I mean, that, that phrase my dad would say, just do it, does, does ring in my ears. There was a lot of times early where, I mean, just to be honest with you, I, I had to bring the sponsors to, to race. So when you get into racing, whether you're racing at 
your local track. My local track was 417 Speedway. It's shutting down, mm -hmm. unfortunately, now in South Florida. But there's one, there's a similar 3-8 mile asphalt track right here in Cordial. Uh, watermelon capital speedway crisp county yeah and no matter if you're you know my little cousin's out there racing we you know my, my uncle has we have to pay for that those the tires cost money the engine yep. the fuel uh pit passes to get into the the pits like everything costs money but but we go to work and my dad's thing was always we're gonna go to work we're gonna grow our watermelons and then our fun and our hop like what we're gonna do for fun if we all agree we're gonna go race and we had a blast and it brought my family closer together my my grandparents my mom's parents my first race they didn't want to go because they thought it was too dangerous so they didn't come watch and they'd been to every soccer game i ever played they'd been to all my my, <laughs> my brother's basketball and football yeah. games when he was growing up they didn't go second race i came and watched and my brakes went out i lost brakes but i didn't hit anything i just had to stop so my granddaddy's a gearhead and he said i if you're gonna keep doing this i'm gonna come work on it make it safer so racing brought my family closer together than I could have ever hoped for and dreamed for. That's awesome. Not that we were apart. We were just yeah. normal. And now, I mean, in 2005, when I started racing, our family traveled together. We, we traveled to Ocala, to Lakeland one time, um, New Smyrna, Orlando, and, and, and our track there in Punta Gorda. And um, it just, it brought us closer together. So um, back to the farm, though you just get up and go so you wake up and you just don't know what today's going to bring the yep. weather dictates everything so in florida we're on real sandy soil we have to dig perimeter ditches and cross ditches with a track hoe, uh to to move water to irrigate uh because if it rains you got to get the water out but then when it's dry you got to pump the water in so um you know every every area of the country is a little different we're on drip here in this field and you got natural elevation to, for the water to drain away but you just you have to come to the field every day as a farmer and just just work. It, you don't know what the day is going to bring. So I I took that. that mentality into racing. And when I moved to North Carolina in 2012, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have the support of a manufacturer like Chevrolet. Yep. I didn't have coaches. I did. I, I was bouncing every year to a new team just where the opportunity was, um, and it was always very fluid. Sometimes mid season I would change teams. So um, I took the the thought of. Uh, me and my dad, would, we talk almost every day. I mean, really, every day. And he's headed to the field, and I was getting up to try to figure out my next, you know, what did I need to do today to make the race on Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday as the years have progressed and we moved up. What what do I need to do? And he would give me, you know, ideas of who people to go talk to, and we'd talk about conversations I had that might further my career. Um, and then when I got with Chevrolet, it's – it's, um, you know, all the things I ever wanted in those early years, I have now. I have the resource. I have the coaches. Yep. I have the sponsors. So I don't have to bring the sponsors anymore. The sponsors want to sponsor yeah, me. they're coming to you now. And, and because of what we've done, and they've seen who I am, and I've been able to tell my story and, and, and be me. I can be natural to me. I mean, I'm a, I've said it before, I'm a round-toed boot, plaid, short sleeve shirt-wearing farmer. Absolutely. I love somehow it. somehow has figured out how to drive a car in a circle really fast. Yeah, and I want to, and that's what I want to hit on. So, you come from a family farm operation, and now, in my opinion, I mean, you're 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 on top of the NASCAR world. Like, where did that even start? Like, how old were you when you got behind the wheel, and what made you want to kind of chase the dream of being in NASCAR? Yeah, my dad is why I wanted to do it. He he did some hobby racing before I was born, a little bit after. I remember him racing at our local track, and we had a three eighths mile asphalt, pretty flat track near the 
or it was on the airport property in Punta Gorda. Allegiant flies into there now, oh, and yeah. they uh, they rented out this this track. This owner built it, uh, or a guy built it, and then it, but you had to lease it from the airport, so um, you never could own it. So it's went through several owners, but it had shut down after Hurricane Charlie, and then got back going again. And when it opened, we were interested. We went up and watched. And Mark Martin's son, Matt Martin, was yep. racing. He was a little bit older than me. And my dad asked if I wanted to try it. And I said, of course. So at 12 years old, you could run these fast trucks. They were called pro trucks. They had 350 horsepower, like a Monte Carlo old chassis frame. Um, and he got me and got a truck that he borrowed from a guy he used to race against, one of his buddies, Dennis Rockenhaus. Love that. Um, and we drove it around. I drove it around the packing house at our farm. It was on a shell driveway. And got going fast enough where he said, okay, okay, let's stop. And we took it to the track that Friday night, borrowed someone's race suit, had a Nextel walkie-talkie in my pocket with a wired earpiece in my ear. And he'd beep <laughs> in and say, all right, go a little faster, push the gas, you know. All right, that's fast enough. Lower in the corner, he was coaching me. Yeah, and, and you're 12 years old. 12 years time. old. And then we raced, and he was in the race talking on the walkie-talkie, spotting for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> using the Nextel, how wild haul that seems. Haul ass, son, haul ass. No, he was like, easy, <laughs> easy, easy, don't wreck. And uh, and so from there, we, we got, my uncle gave me some of his old radios, um, Uncle Doug. We we just slowly, we bought our own race truck, we bought a race car trailer, um, and we just got into it, and then we were hooked. So yeah. From, but but through that process, from 12 to 18 years old, my dad was, was I can remember vividly him constantly saying, don't don't look at NASCAR. We're not. That's not us. We're not. We can't get there. Let's be. Let's have fun here. Yep. If you're looking that far ahead, it's probably not going to be fun. We. I was racing against other kids that were openly saying that I'm going to get to NASCAR. They they were they were hiring film crews to come document oh, yeah. their their career to NASCAR, yep. and then they were going to do this big thing. And none of them are here. Yeah, I haven't seen them. We yet, were quiet. Um, you know, we it was a big deal for maybe us to post on Facebook back then yep. about about our race or that we were going to race that weekend, and so we. I feel um, like you'd be more of like a MySpace guy. I had a MySpace. Did you? I mean, it. It's what was still, your song on MySpace? Like when you would click open and it would play a song. <laughs> well, was, Zach Brown had a maybe toes in the sand or Ooh, something. Oh, there you go. That was a good toes one. toes in the water. That's a good one. Yeah, I love that. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, 12 years old, got into it, man, and, and fell in love with it. But it wasn't until 2011, I was 18 years old, we raced over in the World Series at New Smyrna in our limited late model, and we won that series, won three of the nights, and we decided we should look at, at NASCAR. We could race a full season of late models, That's or we awesome. could run one truck race. And as a bucket list thing, my dad thought, why don't we look at that one truck race? Let's not. We've we've won everything we could have ever wanted to win in late models for our car. Why don't we do this one truck race and just have that experience? Yep. And we can always say we've done it, but we're not going to race late models the rest yep. of the year. And we did it, and it was supposed to just be one race in at uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park in July of 2011, and somehow one race has turned into over 450 now Golly. national series races across the top three series it's That's it's awesome. wild it is what um what's your favorite place to race where darlington Ooh, why yeah man darlington south carolina is a is an odd track it's differently shaped on both ends yep. so they had to fit it between the highway 
in a minnow pond. I guess the, the landowner didn't want him to mess with his pond, and then they tried to fit it on the, up against the highway so it was easy for people to get in and out. And um, it's close enough to the coast where the asphalt has a lot of shell in it, so it tears up the tires a lot. Um, the, and you the just mix love there. that. And, and I like that we slide around. It's helped that I've had fast cars there. Yeah. But I've had fast cars everywhere I've went with different teams and Xfinity, Trucks, Cup. Um, and so that helps, though. It Does helps. that help with that? What do you call – I'm calling it the shake and bake, like the little wall move that you love to do. Can you – the yeah. hail melon. Okay. Come on, we the have to tie melon. everything back to watermelons. Hail melon. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like that's just an awesome move. Yeah. Now I think it's awesome. There might be some other guys out there, especially on the track, that don't. But we can. Uh, one in particular. One in particular. You got a mean right hook too, by no, the way. No, man. no, no, no. Okay. So yeah. So, <laughs> so tell me about I do, that move. I do have to give Jeff Gluck with the athletic credit. He's the one that that coined the phrase the hail melon. Um, yeah, look, it was just a desperate attempt to make the Final Four. So um, for those that follow and those that don't, our, our championship is made up of 26 regular season events. And we're this year we're, we're about two-thirds of the way through that. And then you have a 10-race playoff with three rounds of three races, ultimately to get four cars out of the 36 down to four race for a championship in Phoenix. We had done great last year. We won two races earlier in the year, locked in the playoffs. Transferred through the rounds, had one scare at the Charlotte Roval where I crashed, but we made it through by like six points. Mm-hmm. We get to the final penult- penultimate race at Martinsville, the second to, to last race, and we are 18 points up on the cut. That's 18 spots. Like we should be able to run top 10 and be fine. And what we do, we ran 10th in the first stage. We got one point. We ran 10th in the second stage. We got a second point. Yep. Well, our competitor won both of those stages and hung 20 points Ooh, we got two so we are tied now we have to basically finish ahead or within yep. one spot of each other to transfer and depending on what yeah. all happened you got a hail melon just kind of sitting in the pocket because you kind of have to right so out of the eight guys that were trying to get down to four one of them won the race it was last of the eight he won so he's automatically in and on the last lap, I needed to gain two spots, but there was no cars in front of me to pass. They had, they had pulled away. They were faster than yeah. they left me. So going into the final. I feel like I'm, like in, I'm in the car right now. This is great. Yeah, so Martinsville is, is <laughs> and you, you, wouldn't, you would not have wanted to have been in the right seat of that car on that <laughs> lap. It was wild. Uh, coming to the white flag, Martinsville, about a 15, 16-second lap. I pops in my head as I'm taking the white flag, run the wall. I double check with my crew that I need two spots, got to get them. And they're saying, yes, need two, got to get them. And I just shifted into fifth gear, which at Martinsville we use third and fourth. We have sequential shifters, so we yep. shift every lap. We like we downshift into the corner, we upshift on exit uh, from third to fourth, back and up and down. And I'm going down the straightaway, and I just fully committed to run into the wall, he- like head on into it, but not hit it head on, just slide into it. Oh, yeah, it for sure. When yeah. it turned. And I realized I was going to hit the chip, so the, the RPM rev limiter. So I shifted to fifth just in an impulse and got against the wall. And the car just, I mean, it did. It just didn't slow down. It slowed down less than 10 miles an hour. I was doing double the speed. I was doing almost 150 miles an hour in the corner. On the wall, just. On the wall, wide open. I can't see anything. My vision goes blurry. I let go of the wheel because I don't know what's going to happen. Trust my seat belts and seat to hold yeah. me in. And if you run the normal line around the bottom, you're doing about 70 miles an hour. Yeah. Some right at about double. Yeah. 
and I pop out of the other end. My vision comes back. I grab the wheel, and I'm side-by-side side with the 11. And, um, yeah, we, we beat him, and, and we transferred through to the championship and ultimately ran second. So don't know why it worked. Engineers Dude, an at NASCAR story. and my team still can't explain it. Wow. Hell yeah. But it was, you, a, man. It, was, it was a desperate attempt to do anything it took. To like get I, the job done. To just do it. So even though we were losing, we were out with about five to go, I actually had a tear come out of my right eye. Like we're turning left, so everything's going to, you know, force is going to take it to the right. A tear came out, it ran down my cheek off into my helmet padding, and I'm just losing it inside, inside internally. And some reason coming to the white, my brain went back into working. Like from lap five to go from lap 495 to 499, I didn't do anything productive, but yeah. slowly driving a circle when I was losing time. And then, uh, yeah, that popped in my head and, and, um, just somehow it worked. Perseverance, man. That's, yeah, that's man. my farmer trait that I'm going to give you. And that's what you've learned from growing up on the farm. That's awesome. Great story. Thanks for sharing that. What, uh, what are you going to do when self-driving cars take over NASCAR? Like you're going to, no, it won't take over. <laughs> the sport listen if there was a chevy silverado i could ride to the race shop in the morning and not drive yeah hang out i might coffee i might do that uh, you know um i still i still do though genuinely enjoy just driving anything um obviously i do it for a living so yeah. we do simulator work i'm driving virtually every week these racetracks it's how we build our setups we're, we're practicing less and less so i'm i'm exposed to a lot of driving so sometimes at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is literally drive, drive. home. Well, yeah, how is your day-to-day driving? Like, are you are you locked in, like, haul and tail, no. like you're in a NASCAR getting where you need to be first? Or No, I'm not. I am the guy in the middle lane. Uh, if there's two lanes, I'm in the right <laughs> lane. You know, I'll pass, but yeah. I get over. The people that stay in the left lane all the time drive me crazy. That are slow, too? Right. Yeah, if you're passing, but if there's anybody behind you and you're in the left lane, you, you've got to get over. It's it's. I think it's actually a law. There you go. You heard it here first. Ross Man. says, get over. If you're yeah. in the left lane, you're driving slow, get in the right lane. Yeah. I would love to see somebody honk at you for not going fast, and they drive by and say, oh, that's, that's oh, Ross listen, Chastain. Getting out of races sometimes, getting yeah. out of the track, it can be a little congested. We're coming out of the infield, and we, we've got different ways we the industry kind of knows to sneak out, but sometimes you have to like, cross traffic to get to another street to, yeah. to and I've had people honk at me, and I'll just, like, lean forward and wave. And used to, that didn't really – I was just, like, trying to be nice. Now they kind of, like – then they want to get out and, like, get an autograph. And I know. <laughs> I'll, like, sign out the window as I'm trying to make it to the plane or make it home. But, yeah. um, no, I'm not an aggressive driver on the road, man. You I, ever got a speeding ticket? Oh, I mean, yes, I've gotten speeding tickets. Okay. okay look. <laughs> yeah. I used to drive to most of the races um, through my, my younger days, put a lot of miles on some vehicles. Uh, around the country and um, wouldn't trade those days, but it sure is nice to fly. And I've Absolutely. saved a lot of money on tickets now. What uh, what is Ross Chastain like doing outside of racing? It's a seven day a week thing. You know, it, it it's something that there's always something I can be doing because it's such so much revolves around me driving a car. So yep. if I can do it a little bit better, there's always something I could do to be better at it. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, just getting back to a farm. So we, I've I've totally. gotten to know a lot of farmers yeah. around the country. Just stopping in um, when I can is something that I do truly enjoy. Just going to breakfast with my uncle this morning was just 
you know, it's just the things I don't get to do as yep. much as I would if I was, if racing had not worked out, if I had just done it as a hobby or if I had ran a few years in NASCAR and there was times where I had honest conversations with my family about coming back to the farm. You'd be a farmer. Yeah. If you were not racing, do you, would you consider yourself a farmer? Absolutely. Like you would be a farmer. That, yeah, that, that was plan B. Yeah. That was, yeah, as a kid, it was plan A. There was nothing else I wanted to do. I, I remember in elementary school, middle school, even high school, I wanted to be a farmer. I was going to get my degree, but work at the farm, still live and go to work every day. And then, and then yep. I did want to, I did want to go to college and I did a semester and had more fun in that one semester of college than I did in all of high school. I, I really didn't enjoy high school as much as I should have probably. Um, but I did, I enjoyed getting out of school, uh, as early as I could and going to the farm. I mean, yeah, there were, look, I was a kid. There were days my dad had to tell me you're going to the farm. Like, no, you're not going to go hang out with your friends. I wanted to do other things, but he, if I wanted to race, he, he, the farm had to come first. So, um, if I wasn't, when, when I'm not racing though, um, you know, there, <laughs> I am pretty boring. I do have to just say it, uh, but I mean, we we you know we it's do okay. we do go wakeboarding okay and, and skiing and you know we we go on the boat and um, didn't do a lot of hunting growing up. I've done yeah. a little bit more recently with some buddies, so uh, that's been neat. I'm learning a lot of it. You know, I, I we just didn't do it. Um, my family, just us personally. So um, you know, as I've gotten out uh, and grown up a little bit. Uh, 30 years old now I can I can <laughs> do go. some of that on my own and uh love that and so it's it's but I have to tell the, the my buddies I'm going with, I'm like look don't assume I know anything I'm, yeah I'm, I'm learning hunting really and we we kept deer and and, and pigs from from eating our watermelons yeah, but we weren't you know we weren't doing it for for the um for the fellowship and, and the, the cool parts about hunting you're going on to hunt on purpose yeah. versus just preserving our field here and our livelihood it's a different yep. mentality animal so, control um so yeah um there's um I've, I've got i'm getting to to experience a lot of things and see parts of the country year after year now that we're racing yep. consistently and i've got you know i know i'm going to be in the cup series now for a long time um, which is awesome it's really really cool i've got a great home at track house so uh, but there's a lot of work to be done, and, and I don't ever feel like I've done quite enough. Yep, and there's a lot of work to be done off of the track as well. And I'm excited to talk about the partnership that you and I are, are coming into with Like a Farmer and Ag to Asphalt. Yeah. So why don't you, let's let's hit on that. I'm excited yeah. about this. Yeah, we've got a, an incredible platform with NASCAR. We run 38 events a year, 38 weekends a year. We're racing somewhere in this country and that's it's, it's got a lot of potential and over the last few years we've been trying with my group at MMI and David and Philip to to take what my family and what what they've learned about me and I've got a group now that I wake I know I they wake up every day and they have my best interest in mind yep and then how can we use this platform to to do more than just race cars we want to win races we want to smash watermelons and and have a great time doing it but there, there can be more to this. Yep. So for me, it's always going to come back to the, to the farm and we're going to kick off ag to asphalt at the Daytona 500 in 2024 with like a farmer. And we are going to bring farm families, hopefully the whole family to the track, I'll extend that invitation and let them come take a break, like come to the race, yep. just Come to the race Hang and, and, and experience it. I think that's yep. what's so great about sports and NASCAR is that it's not real. It's yep. just cars racing in a circle. But 
man, is it exciting when oh, you get there. Absolutely. You hear 36 or 40 of us come by. There'll be 40 <laughs> cars in the Daytona 500, and you hear us roar by. You know, we, we take off on the green flag. You're going to hear us all getting up to speed, and you're going to feel that energy starting. When we come back around, it's a different ball game. Yep. I mean, we're 200 miles an hour, bump drafting two and three wide, and I just want families across the country from Daytona to Sonoma, California, whether you, you're growing grapes or almonds, watermelons, citrus, cattle, whatever it is, come and, and take a break. Like, you just come to the race and enjoy the event um, because farming is seven days a week. For, for If you have plants in the ground or animals breathing, you are focused and you have to be involved in that. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's a simple thing that, that we can do. Um, it's something that I take for granted sometimes. I try not to, but it's just inherent when you do it for your life livelihood 38 times a year. It, it just becomes second nature to yep. be racing in all these different States and, and races and markets. So, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to invite them out. We're going to show them a good time and just let them take a break and, and enjoy the show. I mean, I'm excited to be a part of it. 38 races. We're going to highlight a family farm at each race, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, It's going to be – I mean, hell, they're going to get to hang out with Pat and Ross at every race, and yeah. we're going to shine some light on their operation, and we're going to have a good time doing it. So, And like we were talking about before we, we jumped on camera, there's just so much to tell about agriculture. There's 100%. so many stories. Yep. And, and I, you asked me earlier, do I consider myself a farmer? I, I, I consider myself more of a consumer because I I am racing for a living. I don't – I don't, you know, I don't wake up and try to grow the best watermelon right now. Yep. I'm growing up to smash the best watermelon and win the race. <laughs> that is my job, and that is what Love I that. wake up to do. And everybody has to, I hope, has that purpose where they wake up with Mine is as simple as beating 35 other drivers yep. on, on any given Sunday. Now, it just happens that they're the best drivers in the world, in my opinion. They're the best teams in the world. They're the best teams in our sport. And so beating them is really tough. That's what makes Nashville so awesome and a, and a great time um, with everything that's went on for me personally and with our team to, to win. Um, but, you know, we, I have that, that purpose, and, and I can tell the story of the people that are in charge of feeding the rest of us. Yep, that's cool. Like I said, I mean, that's, that's the platform of Like a Farmer. Let's shed light on the American farmer while we educate the American people. And the Ag to Asphalt partnership that we're doing starting at the Daytona 500 next year is going to be unbelievable. So looking yeah. forward to that. Got a couple segments on Like a Farmer. Really excited to uh, to share these with you. Yeah. So segment number one we call The Biggest Gamble. Farmers take a gamble every day, right? I mean, you know, you know what to grow this year, when to grow, how much to grow. It, they take a gamble. What do you think in your life has been your biggest gamble? I mean, moving to Charlotte in 2012 at 18 years old was a gamble, but I could go back to the farm at that time if I if I needed to. My family was very open, like, go chase it. We'll be here. There'll be a spot for you. Now, after a few years, I realized if I went back, I was going to start low man on the totem pole. And I would, you know, if I went back any time in the last five or six years, it would be to work for my brother. My brother's six years younger than me, but I, if I go back, I'm working under him, and I, he's he's earned that seniority. But mm-hmm. in in my career, it was 2019. I started the season running for Xfinity points for a team I had driven for. That was my fourth year. 
I was supposed to drive for another team that in 2019. It didn't work out. The team shut down. So I went back to my old team, underfunded, lower budget, but it was solid. It was secure. I knew I could go race every week, 33 times a year in the Xfinity Series, and I could run 10th place on a good day. Well, I also was running some truck races. I was running all the truck races for this small team that was just starting. It was really their second year, maybe third year, called Nice Motorsports. And we won a race. We won my first truck race in 2019. I've started, I started racing trucks in 2011. 2019, we won our first truck race. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I should have put points in trucks. But yep. I'm already Xfinity. It's not worth the change. Let's just keep going. And the truck team is on me about changing points, changing yep. points. Let's run for a championship. We, 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 built a, we have a good crew chief now. We've got the, we've, we've got the team. Uh, we don't have a lot of sponsors, but we have the funding we need. We'll be okay. And a few weeks later, we run a few more races, and I decide to switch points. So leaving that previous team was a big, was a big decision. Um, I had to, you know, I had to. It wasn't pleasant to tell that team owner that I wanted to switch points. He was not in favor of me doing it. He did not want me to leave. It was going to hurt him yep. and me in the short term financially career-wise it was not the logical choice but I saw a path that I could win again and I wanted that I wanted that that chance to win yep. and the truck series and that Nice Motorsports 45 truck gave me that opportunity you took the gamble so it was short-term pain for sure uh, but we won again we won Iowa and we go we win Iowa we dominate the race and we get failed we get thrown out we fail post-race tech First time in 70 years that they've well, you fail take that? the win away. They changed the rule recently. So we failed by the truck being too low gotcha. in post-race tech. The truck series yep. rules say you start the race at five and a half inches off the ground. They call it tech height. On the track, you can be whatever you want. So we go on the track, and the truck scrapes the ground. Yep. All the way around the track, you're scraping the ground. But when you stop again and they go through deck, it has to naturally raise back up. Five and a half. Five and a half inches. Well, it came up about four inches, and that's not legal. Dang. Doesn't have four any, inches isn't that bad. Doesn't have any effect you know? on the on track. It's just the rules, and we failed. So what do we do? We go to the next race. We take the same truck. We take the same setup. We tweak a few things to just help it come up after the race. Same springs and shocks, though. Go to St. Louis, and we win again. Um, the gamble paid off. We end up running Love second that. in the championship. And uh, and that those races, we were able to win four races that year, three more after I switched points is ultimately what Chip Ganassi Racing needed to see to hire me in 2021, two years later, to drive their cup car. It's a great gamble. It changed my life. It changed my trajectory. Yep. I was headed. I had, I'd had a moment of, of winning the year before in 2018. The team shut down. I went right back down to mid-pack, and it brought me back to the front of the field and winning. Love that. It's a good one. Next segment, call it this or that choose whichever one you'd like to are you going with wearing hand mittens the rest of your life you can't take them off like hand mittens there's no finger and whatsoever or you have to wear a football helmet the rest of your life hand mittens football helmet which one are you choosing i think i can drive with hand mittens I don't think I want to hit a wall with a football <laughs> helmet. There's differences in a racing helmet and like a football it. helmet. So you're going I think I mittens. have to go hand mittens. Plus the rest of life, just quality of life. With a football helmet, With a yeah. football helmet. Taking a shower with a football oh, helmet. Oh, yeah. Going to sleep with a football helmet. That's a good one. Yeah. 
Um, talking, the ability to talk to animals or being able to speak 10 different foreign languages. Animals over people all day long. I like I it. I want to talk to my, my man. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Um, you can ask me one. What would you ask? If you had to pick, are you eating a seeded or a seedless watermelon for the rest of your life? Ooh. Yep. These and are seedless sitting between us, but oh, they are. I I would. Pre- I'm I, going seeded though, regardless. I like it. Me too. I've grown up with seedless my whole life, so the the people older than us do remember only seeded. Yeah, They're seedless have been around our whole lives, but yeah, I, I like spitting the seeds. I mean, I think I could spit a seed further than you. I don't know. No, I don't know about all are. that, and we might have to. Uh, might take you up on we that challenge. We got some seeded out here. We could definitely find, well, we're, find I'll a I'll take you up three. on that challenge, so let's do that. Uh-huh. But I'm going to go seated. Yep. It's a Agreed. great question. Agreed. Dude, thanks for coming on today, man. I mean, this is great. Like I said, the partnership that we're going to crank up in 2024, highlighting the farmers across the country is going to be unbelievable. But it's it's a natural fit, Ross, for you to come on Like a Farmer and shed light on the ag industry and also tell us about the success you've had. That seems like you've learned a lot from the family farm and – I can't wait to keep watching you kick butt on the on the NASCAR series and uh, let me know if I can ever do anything. And just, as always, always be like a farmer, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on. No, I appreciate you having me. I, that's, all I ask is that people come to the races, see what we're doing, and, of course, buy a watermelon. And, as always, follow, like, comment, and subscribe. Like a farmer. Do whatever you need to do to be involved and come on this journey with myself to be like a farmer. Thanks, everybody.